Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Gordon, should we talk a little BYU football? Kalani Satake was on the uh, on the station today. He was on with Hans and Scotty, and they had uh, uh, you know exciting news in the world of BYU, adding Army to the schedule, right? Uh, but uh, Kalani was on with the guys. You want to hear a clip? Let's hear it. All right, here's uh, Coach, the BYU head football coach, talking about his expectations on playing in the fall. Kalani, can you kind of walk us through some of the steps and protocols, or, or have you kept that more quiet? I'm just curious to know, like, if I'm back there at BYU, what, what am I going through on a daily basis? Well, I think the important thing is that we, we do a screening process when, when they come through every – I mean, other than the masks and the, the social distancing that we do here, you know, and, and things that we do during practice, but it's in masks and meetings and things like that. We don't have team meetings because it's too large of a group, uh, but we do have – in our meetings, we keep our players separated and, and keep them in masks, you know. And so when we get outside, coaches are wearing masks too. But I think the screening process is the most important part is when they come through the building at first and they uh, name any symptoms that we have. We've asked our players to be completely honest about all the symptoms they may feel and, mm. and get their temperature taken and go through the screening process. I think that helps a lot of things. And then and, and, and not, not, you know, not being – basically just supporting the, the whole process that we're trying to get go through and, and not having an opinion. I know there's a lot of people that have opinions on things, but this is just what it takes to get things right, you know, and, and I think it's important for us to support that and then support our players being honest about their symptoms and things like that. If we, we can keep that process going, I think, then and keep the players honest and, and praise them for being honest about their symptoms, then I think we can, we can keep this thing under wraps. You know, you bring up a really good point, too, because, you know, a lot of times you ask players to play through a certain amount of pain or deal with, you know, a certain amount of issues. But here you have to say, hey, look, you got a, you got a sore throat or you got a cough. You got to let us know right away. Yeah, and it's also protecting other people's loved ones. You're not just thinking about yourself, and but you're thinking about your teammates and you're thinking about others. And, you know, I think a lot of people agree that, that they want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves, and this gives them the opportunity to, to have ownership on it. And we've been promoting our players to be honest and, and to, to our trainers and doctors about how they're feeling. And, uh, you know, and I think – the temperature is one thing to check, but I think being honest about your symptoms is another. And then keep keep holding each other accountable when it comes time to to keep your distance and also you know to wear masks. I think that's important. It, it's just become kind of like the new norm now, just making sure that everyone's abiding by the rules and that we we, we stay with it so we can keep this place and keep what we're doing alive and that we can keep this place low risk. You know, Coach, when we were watching the NBA get closer and closer to restart there in the bubble, we would talk to coaches or talk to play-by-play men or talk to players, and we'd ask, all right, well, what percentage? Do you do you feel like this is going to happen? Do you feel like this is actually going to work? And um, I'm, I'm curious about the same thing here, Coaches. You're getting closer to that September, was it September 7th, September 9th kickoff against Navy. How confident are you, Coach, that, that this is going to go? Well, I'm not going to put a percentage on it because I, I'm just appreciating every day that we have, you know, and the the fact that we were able to go and practice today and have a, a really solid practice yesterday. 
uh, I'm not taking anything for granted. I, I think, uh, you know, whatever happens, we're going to rely on other people to make the decisions for us. When it comes to this, I can only focus on what we can do that's within our realm of con control. And then we're doing everything we can to do our part, but understanding that it may not be our, our, our decision, that's fine. Right now, we just have a sense of gratitude and, and appreciating the fact that we get to be here and do this and be around each other and that we have a game scheduled. And then we'll just keep working with it. But uh, I think... Um, you know, we, we had this, uh, the, the whole quarantine thing interrupt our, our spring ball, and, and we dealt with it fine, and this is part of what happens now. You know, I think it's important that we think of others, and, and as we go through this, if it becomes an issue, then that's fine. But the players have had a, a, a new appreciation for what they get to do, and uh, I think even the interactions and the, the small things, like just having a conversation, seeing somebody eye to eye, you know, even though yeah. it's six feet apart, Man, we miss that as a society, as a society, you know. And I, 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 especially these young people, I know that they miss just being around each other and just hanging out. You know how it was oh, yeah. when we were in the locker room, you know, just hanging out and just talking. And it would have so, killed me to be. It, yeah. it would have been. It would have been so difficult to be away from you guys. It would have been good for me to be six feet away from you, <laughs> but it would have been. It would have been good to see your eyes and have a conversation. You know what I mean? But I think. I think more than anything, I, uh, you know, I'm a hugger. You know that. Oh, yeah. And, and so this is really – I'm fist bumping now, and my fingernails are growing longer because I never shake hands and things like that. But it's it's actually um, – that's just what has to happen. And and uh, But it also allows me to, when I get, have an interaction with somebody, uh, where it's face-to-face, -face, no matter how the distance is, I, I, I tend to just look at their eyes a little bit more and not look at my phone and things like that. And it, it allows you to just kind of settle down and appreciate uh, that interaction that you have and that, that's our players I see it in them it's, it's just happening it's happening normal in, in, in a normal interaction and you know as these kids go back to school my kids are going back to school I, they're, they're excited to have that connection I think it's been hard for them to be even though they're social media I think that just that human connection is really difficult to do virtually there you go BYU head coach Kalani Satake continuing to get ready for a, a season whatever that may look look like and you heard him describe a bit of the conditions right there. Yeah, I liked his whole attitude about not being selfish and trying to help uh, keep uh, everybody around you safe and healthy. And I think that is a good way of looking at it. Well, I've Kalani, uh, most of what Kalani says, you don't hear Kalani say stupid things very often. I mean, he really, I, I think he gets it. I think he gets it, too, and this is something that uh, that I've talked about for a little bit now. I think if you give young people incentive to behave the right way, then I think most, even young people, even when we're at our most foolish age, if that means enough, then we're going to fall in line, right? If you if you give them uh, the, the a reason to... Uh, you know, uh, wear masks in practice and those sorts of things. I mean, they're, the truth is they're going to be safer. I, I truly believe this. The safest place in this state right now is probably the BYU football facility. Yeah, I don't know about that. But because uh, I, you apparently are putting more trust in college-age kids than I would. But the truth is they're, they're being tested. They're, they're being monitored. Their behavior is being, uh, you know— encouraged they have every reason to to behave and maybe it's not a hundred percent but i mean it, you know it's not a hundred percent in society if if no, you haven't looked at you know sure. been outside recently so mm -hmm. uh you know if if you know everybody had that incentive to uh to behave a certain way i'm sure more people would do it 
Uh, I'm not so sure. I think some would, some wouldn't. But that's you know, I mean, there's no way of proving it. So, I mean, who do you think is is living to a higher standard right now? A BYU in in this when talking about epidemiology and COVID-19, who's, who's right now behaving at a higher standard, a BYU football player or a Utah football player? I would bet it's BYU because they have a reason to. Uh, well, doesn't everyone have a reason to? Um, what are you just talking about, overall uh, public health protection? Yeah. Uh, sure, but I think some people uh, prioritize that higher than others, Gordon. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know for sure one way or the other. And even if you have no buy-in to the public uh, uh, public health aspect of this thing whatsoever, but you want to play football, you're going to fall in line. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know that for a fact. You'd be more likely to fall in line. How is that such a like a dramatic concept to jump on well, board I guess, with? You know, it's no sure bet. Uh, okay, but what is? What is a sure yeah. bet these days? Taxes? That's still happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't think. <laughs> I haven't never heard of a way of getting out of that. Right. Oh, I got a guy. So sure, <laughs> sure bet. You know, I don't know. I went to the store today. Was it a sure bet that I wouldn't come home with COVID nineteen? Nope. You yeah, did come not, home with the wrong item. I did come home with Reese's pieces. That's true. <laughs> you're not up in anybody's grill. The way football players would be. Yeah, but if you know, I'm also not being tested three times a week, is that what they're doing? I don't know exactly. He didn't. He didn't talk about the the protocol, but I I would guess that testing's involved. Yeah, I, I don't. I I just uh, I understand why some people would be concerned with that, and you seem less concerned about that than I am. I oh, might. We've, been, we've been down that road about 50,000 times we have. since March. I know we have, and I still don't understand why college football in particular deserves so much scrutiny when the the rest of society is certainly not under that scrutiny. Well, every sport has been under a lot of scrutiny, Jake. Right. Unfairly so, in my opinion. Well, they want to keep uh, that particular thing safe, and I'm not going to complain about that at all. Well, I don't think, first of all, I don't think that's their motivation. Second of all, I don't think this is keeping anybody more safe. What do you think the NBA's motivation was for stopping the season for four months? Well, we didn't know exactly what we were dealing with at the time, and I think their their motivation was hopefully in the, the right place. And by the way, we're talking well, about actually it pl- wasn't. but actually playing the game and actually having fans in the stands. I mean, I don't want to create a super spreader event, but in the NBA's case, we're talking about... 30 total people. Right, and they were extremely cautious with the way they went about it, and I think rightfully so. Uh, okay, I think they did what they had to do to pull it off, given the, the political climate. Okay. And I think they but, were motivated. But college to, football can't do that. But I don't think they have to. I don't think the and I've talked to you about this, I don't think the NBA was required to go to the lengths that they did to, to be safe. To pull it off, I don't think they had to do all that. I think they did it because they didn't want the political blowback if uh, there was uh, uh, being accused of being reckless, whether they were being or not. Mm. Well, I think they got it right. 
okay, well, they're doing it. I've told you this. I mean, if if you have to outlaw doubles ping pong to pull it off without uh, people screaming to shut it down, well, then terrific. Then that's what you got to do. I'm glad they're doing it for, for a variety of different how many reasons. Their, how many of their guys are testing positive these days? Zero. But, so whatever they're doing, I'm not going to complain about it or think it's over the top or think it's excessive. It's working. That saliva test is helping a lot. Yeah, which well, is going to be a game changer too. But I mean, we we get when so. When is that going to be made uh, plentiful for uh, the public? I don't I have no idea. Yeah. Is that I don't know how long it'll take for them to get that all around. But we get so focused on we get so focused on the micro that the, that they're this far away from this person, so the possibility of this happening, and then the possibility of this happening, the possibility of this happening, we go down the rabbit hole. Yet thousands and thousands and thousands of people work in meatpacking plants every single day, and we don't seem to care about them. Well, there we are far more. Them. There are far more grocery store workers than there are NBA players, and we don't seem to mind. Uh, every grocery store on the planet being open, but we can't play an NBA basketball game or we can't play a college well, football yeah, but, game. Yes, that doesn't yeah, make any sense. Delivering and, food to the public is a, is essential, Jake. That's a, that's a whole different matter. I don't think it is a whole different matter. It is. I I really don't. Taking a, a, a feeding the feeding the public and providing food for the public as a whole has to happen. Or else you're going to have starving people. But to prevent case-by-case spread on such a minute thing, Gordon, is it works when there's 10 cases in the, in the country, not millions. I mean, you, well, honestly, you, you have a risk doing absolutely anything. And, and so magically somebody de- deems what's essential and what's not essential. I think we can think about this from a mitigation of risk standpoint. And I've always thought that. And so if you can mitigate risk to play college football, then mitigate that risk. If your goal is to eliminate all risk, that's not possible with all sorts of activities that we're all comfortable with. But okay. just because I, we pay attention. understands to, that, but it's where I don't you think everybody does understand that i really don't in order to keep it as safe as possible i mean that that, this cannot be that difficult for you to understand why people are reacting that way well i think there's a lot of reasons that they're reacting that way but i I, I think it's unfortunate but but, but, jake five million people have had this thing and uh what 170,000 people have died i'm not i'm not uh diminishing the seriousness of it I, I take it very seriously. I look at some at the way we react to it, and a lot of time it makes zero sense to me. And I told you at the very beginning, uh, Gordon, of all this, and I believe it today, just the, all of the United States of America locking inside for a year was never an option. And it's still not an option. And if we get focused on these details of, well, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen, that's the only resort we're left to is that everybody has to stay inside, Period. And so I do I do roll my eyes at the hypocrisy of, well, that's essential. I mean, how much where do you think COVID-19 is spread more in, in grocery stores or on uh, the football field? Jake, you've got to have potential? food for the public. I mean, you've got to. There's no other option there. That, that has to happen. Uh-huh. It does. I agree. Football doesn't have to happen. Um, well, it depends on how you look at it. I, I think in a lot of ways, football does have to happen. Not like delivering food to the public. Those are two different animals. There, there is the other side. Some people won't be able to buy that food at the grocery store if football doesn't happen because their job depends on it. Right. Or how about yeah, the opportunities talking, yeah, for the young people? about th- th- 300 million people who have to eat in this country. 
I mean, I understand and I feel bad for those who find themselves in tough positions because of a lack of certain sporting events. But to compare those two things, I think, is absurd. I, I'm comparing them because of the absurdity. Hmm. That's that's why I'm compa- I'm comparing them because it is absurd because we do need to function because we do need to go on and the experiences wait, wait, wait. of these college just, athletes just, matter and the jobs matter the and the budgets need. matter they all we matter need, we don't need, you don't need that the way you need food I mean those again they're separate they're different it's on different levels Jake and so yes you're you're not going to say all right you grocery store workers uh, we're gonna we care about you so don't work. No, that's different than telling a football program or a hundred kids that they can't play football for a season. I I don't think it is all that different. I really don't. You can't see the difference in the need. Um, I can see the difference in that. Yes, human beings are, are required to eat food. Yeah, I got that. Well, but then I, you still you do see. That they're different. They're completely different. I don't think they are completely different. I think functioning, I think economics, I think opportunity, I think development, I think education, I think all of that matters. Jake, I'm telling you, if you had someone close to you who died from COVID-19, I think your attitude might be a little Gordon, different. again, I'm not, I'm not, not taking this seriously. I understand the seriousness of it. I get frustrated when people don't take other plights seriously. This isn't the only thing existing in this yeah, world. Yeah, but just because they don't take everything seriously doesn't mean they shouldn't take and this seriously. If you're going to take action to confront a serious problem and it's serious action, it better be appropriate and logical and it better work. Well, because if you're going to make the sacrifice, it better be for something and it better be for a good reason. And if you're going to use athletes health as an excuse to do it, that better be your reason. Well, that's a good enough reason. But it's not their reason. Regardless of what the motivation of it's protecting liability or what else, people are still being helped and they're being held healthy and safer because it's not happening. I don't think they are more healthy. And I don't think they're safer. Then you disagree with the doctors who have studied it. Which doctors? The doctors were advising the Pac-12 conference. What about the ones advising the ACC? What about the Mayo Clinic? What about all those doctors? They're wrong? Okay. Okay, but just because there's a conflict doesn't mean that one side that you can pick out which side, which side is wrong. Which is exactly what you're doing. No, I'm just saying that I understand why the people who are not participating in football aren't doing it. I don't. All right, let's uh, joining the show now. Of course, our friend from Homie, she is Katie, with us in studio, and let's uh, let's help our listeners. Let's let's do something good for somebody and take a break from Gordon and I arguing. <laughs> My husband texted on his comments about your argument, so I'll have to share that oh, with you good. later. Oh, thank you. Yeah, please. We'll, 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 uh, I'd be anxious to hear what he has to say, or eager, excuse me. Uh, but uh, seriously, homie, you guys do so much good for a lot of people, basically by putting money back in their pockets and saving them, really, aggravation, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, we'll save you on the, the selling side. We'll save you on the loans. We're going to save you in insurance. We're going to save you on the buying side, too. Our, our agents are here to help you through every step of the way. And if you buy with us, we actually offer you up to a $5,000 refund um, when you close. So imagine what you can do with that five extra, you know, uh, 5000 extra dollars that you can get off on your home. So much. Yeah. I mean, roll it into the mortgage or, or upgrade the home. I mean, or go spend it on a trip to 
well, trips. So. <laughs> on a road trip to uh, Montana. How about yeah, that? Camping. I just, I just got back from Yellowstone. Yellowstone <laughs> is beautiful. Go to Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, you guys have streamlined the whole process, giving you know, the homie title, homie loans. I mean, you, you guys will help folks save money through the whole process. Exactly. You're going to get a dedicated loan officer if you want to refinance with, with uh, homie loans or if you're going to just go buy a home with homie loans. You're going to have a dedicated loan officer, a dedicated buyer agent, dedicated seller agent. We're there to help you with every step of the process, any questions, any concerns you have, any type of problem that you run into. We have a whole team of of licensed realtor lawyers there to help with any process that you can have. So we're there with with all of our expertise and all of our knowledge to help you through the way. I I know your naysayers out there say, oh, you just uh, get the app and then uh, they don't help you at all. In fact, it's completely the opposite. Exactly. And a lot of people will tell you that, you know, you have to do it yourself brokerage or a discount brokerage. You get all the expertise and all of our knowledge with all of the savings. So we're there to help you, to guide you, to be with you. We're your realtors there. We've got your back and we're going to give you money back. All right. Jump online, homie.com. That's homie.com. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. All right. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Jake Scott, our boy Larry Tassoni. This one goes out to Larry from the Megaplex. One of little Kelly Clarkson. It's time for your daily assist. Let's get right to it. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com, or give them a call, 801-747-LEES. Out to the T-Mobile special guest line we go. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, from Sports Illustrated, is our friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, we're just loving playoff basketball being back. And, uh, you know, Jazz fans disappointed they came up on the short end of, of game one to the Nuggets. But, man, what a game. Exciting and really a historic performance from Donovan Mitchell. What'd you think? Yeah, really uh, a great performance from start to finish. Um, you know, he had to assume a lot of responsibility in that game, whether it was playmaking as as a point guard defensively on Jamal Murray and, of course, scoring. And he stepped up. I mean, he was – he was excellent, and you know there were points of time during that game that I thought the Nuggets could have blown it wide open, but I thought the Jazz did a great job in the first half keeping it closer than maybe it should have been, um, and then in the second half, uh, you know, climbing back into it. Uh, so I think uh, you know you've got to be optimistic if you're the Jazz. You can hang in there and, and win the series. Looking forward at the at the uh, sort of. Uh influence or effect that Donovan Mitchell can have on this franchise moving forward. Do you think he's knocking on the door of going from being an all-star to being a star's star, uh, a superstar? Well, he's certainly on the path. Um, 
you know, playoffs determine that and how well, you know, guys perform in these types of situations. I mean, that's that's obviously a, a great start to play the way he played in this opener. Uh, but he's going to have to keep doing it, especially with Mike Conley out for game two. And, um, you know, you can't fall into an 0-2 hole and expect to win a series like this. It's just, you know, much too difficult. So, you know, it's I, I think he's definitely trending in that direction. He's been doing that ever since he came into the NBA. But um, I think it's going to take, you know, winning one series, two series, and, and keep progressing in the playoffs to, to really get that designation. One other question on that, Chris. Do you think a team has to have a player like that, right? You've got. If you look back over the last four decades of championship teams or contending for championships, you have to have a superstar in order to be in that category, don't you? Yeah, more often than not, um, you know, there are a handful of examples of teams that that didn't. I mean, top of my head, the, the Pistons from '04, probably one of those examples. Uh, but you, know, you do have to have that go-to guy who can get you a bucket. And Kawhi Leonard, you know, de- de- developed into that in San Antonio, and became that guy. Um, and just go down the list. Somebody is says somebody steps up and becomes that player for championship-level teams. And yeah, Mitchell's going to have to be that guy. Um, you know, the Nuggets, ironically, are one of those teams that's trying to win without that guy. Even though Jamal Murray, every time he plays, he really seems to establish himself as someone that could be that type of player as well but you know i just keep going back i mean the responsibility on donovan mitchell in this series is huge i mean he's he's got to do a lot of different things especially with conley out of the lineup you mentioned jamal murray and we you know of course we enjoyed the special performance from donovan but he was awfully dang good too uh down the stretch which what are your thoughts on his career trajectory and are he and Jokic good enough together that you could build a championship team around those two down the line Oh, I think you definitely can, and what helps the Nuggets is that they continue to hit on these draft picks, especially the mid-level ones. I mean, you know, their entire roster is constructed largely of non-lottery picks, you know, guys that were either you know, acquired via trade or undrafted free agents. I'm talking about guys like Torrey Craig and, and others that that fill out that roster. Uh, Jokic, second-round pick. They did it again this year with, with Michael Porter Jr., who didn't play that well in the opener, but it's his first playoff game in his rookie year. Uh, but you can clearly see with him that he has the ability to develop into that kind of, you know, Jason Tatum type of player down the line. So, you know, they're 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 going to be able to do it. I mean, they're, it'll be interesting how they keep that team together in the years to come because it's going to get awfully expensive uh, down the line. But you know, they have the ability to package two or three players to go out and get one, uh, do a lot of different things. So, yeah, I think that the future is really bright in Denver with all those young players. Speaking of that, Chris, would you break down Jokic's game? I mean, is, is there a more multifaceted big man in the game? It's hard to find one, that's for sure. Um, and he's a handful for Rudy Gobert. I mean, Rudy's so good at defending the interior and changing shots on the inside. But, you know, we saw in game one, and we've seen it in some of their matchups in the past, when, when Jokic steps outside and, and shoots perimeter shots, he's tough for Rudy to keep up with. And I would expect more of that, you know, in game two, where he just kind of floats those jumpers over him, you know, extends beyond the three-point line, drives, uses that body position to get to the basket on Gobert. So that, that to me, is one of the more fascinating center matchups in all of basketball, not just in the uh, in the postseason. So, I mean, he's he's just incredibly versatile. You see, they run plays where he collects the ball in the backcourt and operates as the point guard. I mean, there's there's no center in the game that does that. At, you know. At, very few ever that have done that. I mean, his his versatility is is incredibly unique. So uh, you've, you've really got to develop a game plan to not just keep him off the 
the point totals, but you can't have him racking up eight, nine assists to go with 13, 14 rebounds because he can control a game that way. Chris Mannix is with us from Sports Illustrated on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. And Chris, I apologize if I missed your official playoff picks, but how far do you see this series going? I think this is one of the more unpredictable ones, so I can see it going seven games. I mean, when I made the pick, I didn't know that Conley was going to be out for the first two, um, and that certainly changes things. Um, you know, the expectation is he's going to be back on on Friday to potentially play in a game three, from what I'm told. But um, you know, it's it, it, to me, it's a pickup one. I lean towards Denver at this point, largely because of Conley, um, and that's what makes this this game two kind of do or die. For the uh, for the for the Jazz, I mean, it's not about home court advantage or anything like that, obviously. But you know, falling into an O two hole and best of seven, that's that's it's historically incredibly difficult to dig yourself out of, even outside of these unique circumstances. So uh, the Conley uh, departure really hurt them, and you could see it in that game one where Mitchell had to do a lot offensively, uh, and with him out again, it's going to be another one that's tough for them to win. What the heck happened in that Magic Bucks game, Chris? I, I, how do you explain that? Yeah, I didn't see all of it because I was at some practices earlier today. But I mean, this is just a continuation of bad Milwaukee defense. Um, you know, they've that defense before the pandemic hit was you know at historic levels. I mean, they were you know leading the NBA in in, in defense efficiency by the widest margin ever. Um, by that metric. So, you know, they, they come into the bubble and, you know, their, their points per hundred possessions are 10 points higher. And that's just, it's a remarkable, you know, departure from what they've been. And you saw it again against uh, Orlando. And again, I didn't see the whole game, but you see the magic shooting almost 40% from three, almost 50% from the floor. It's not something teams do against Milwaukee. So, you know, look, you know, an easy uh, thing to say is that the magic won game one against the Raptors last year. And the Raptors, of course, we know what they did. Uh, but, you know, Milwaukee, you've got to have some alarm bells going off there because this is now the ninth game that their defense has failed them. And that's not an aberration. That's a trend, you know, for, for a team that, you know, you just wonder, do they start to, to get a little anxious knowing they're the favorites, the whole stuff with Giannis this offseason? Um, you, know, you, you know, you don't want to say it's do or die in game two, but there's, a lot, there's again, a lot of pressure on them going to that second game. Kind of on a similar note, Chris, uh, looking at the Lakers and Portland series, you know, I'm kind of talking myself into Portland having a good chance in game one because they've had the pedal down, you know, for, for this entire process in the seeding game and the seeding games and the Lakers, you know, they've kind of, they wrapped up that number one seed and kind of strolled through those games. Do you think they can turn it on right away or are they vulnerable in game one? I think the Lakers are vulnerable in game one and, you know, game everything for this entire postseason because they are uh, a team with weaknesses. I just wonder with the, the Blazers, you know, they, they have a great backcourt, but, but how do they defend Carm- How do they defend LeBron? And with Zach Collins out of the lineup too, I mean, how do they defend Anthony Davis? And all of a sudden, Carmelo Anthony becomes their most important defender. And I, I can't bet on a team that has Melo as its most important defender. I think it'll be interesting because – you know, Lillard and McCollum can you know erase a six or eight point lead in a matter of minutes, uh, but you know when it comes down the stretch, I mean getting stops is going to be a real problem for them. It's been a problem for them all all postseason. I mean they've you know they they played a tough schedule at times, but even their less tough opponents they they've been giving up a lot of points to. And I can see the Lakers just teeing off. But look, LA they haven't shot the ball well at all. I mean they're they're going to rely on somebody whether it's Deion Waiters, J.R. Smith. Neither one of them have made more than twenty three percent of their shots or three. 
Uh, Danny Green hasn't been great. And you're banking on Kyle Kuzma to be the same guy we saw in the seeding games uh, during this playoff. So they're, they're a vulnerable team. I just I think the, the Blazers, their flaw is going to be perimeter defense, and, and I think that's one the Lakers can really exploit. What's your reaction, Chris, to the Mavericks-Clippers result? And uh, Luka Doncic, I mean, 42 points, seven boards, nine assists. Yeah, he was great. I was at that game, too, and he just ran out of gas at the end. I mean, he couldn't do anything offensively or defensively uh, at the very end of that game. And, you know, they're going to have to get him some help. Now, some of that help will obviously be Porzingis, you know, presumably won't get tossed again you know, out of uh, this next game. But, you know, that's you know, Doncic, as great as he is, as young as he is, he can't do everything for that group. And somebody else is going to have to, to step up and make plays, especially when Luka is staring down some combination of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George all game. Uh, so I, that was my big takeaway. I mean, a great game by, by Doncic, but, you know, he, the, the, the lack of energy I saw in him at the end of that game where he's doubled over on the sidelines or, or, or just kind of, you know, coasting around on defense trying to preserve some energy. Like, he can't – you got to help him out in, that, in, in a series like this, and Porzingis is the one guy that's going to be counted on to do it. Chris, as always, we appreciate the insight, the info, and look forward to our conversation next week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, our friend from Sports Illustrated for your NBA Daily Assist right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up right around the corner, we have the Not Sports Report. Gordon, you want to hit us with a, with a tease? I'm going to hit you with something, all right, but uh, and it'll surprise you what you're going to get hit with. Wait a minute. Are, are, are you, is, is that figurative, or are you threatening physical violence? <laughs> I know, right, right. Do I need to get Michelle Smith on the phone here? Am I, am I, uh, you know where I live. Should I be concerned? No. <laughs> no, it, it'll be, uh, it, it's just a story. You just got to stay tuned. All right, all right. Stay tuned. We've got the Not Sports Board coming up next. Bowler at 5, DJ at 530, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sending big waves into motion. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, how did you word your, your tease? You were going to really hit us with something? Mm-hmm. All right. That, that caught my ear, so I am prepared to receive the blow. Well, let me ask you a question. Jake, have you ever been assaulted by a Bible? Assaulted by a Bible? Like literally assaulted by a Bible? Not like somebody, Like somebody hit me with the Bible? Uh, no, I can't say that I have. Well, a, a banger main man is accused of doing exactly that when trying to steal someone's car. Police there say that uh, a, a family stopped to take some pictures along a road on Sunday morning and they all got out of their SUV to take the pictures. And a few minutes later, uh, according to investigators, they say a man named Benjamin Parker got into the driver's seat and tried to steal the car. The the, the man of the family saw the man, other man jump into his car, so he came running back to stop him. And in the ensuing fight, 
according to police, uh, Parker started hitting the, the other man, the owner of the car, with a Bible. Uh, the 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 one who was attacked by the Bible was able to pull the uh, the car thief out of his car, and uh, he ran off. Later, police found the man hiding behind a house, holding a Bible. What what version of the Bible? Because that matters on the the injury. <laughs> is the like is the is the new international version lighter than say oh, yeah, like, like the a pamphlet. like the yeah. King James? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, one's like a Harry Potter book, one's like a pamphlet. I yes. see. As, as the good book says in Jeremiah 4, 13, Behold, he goes up like clouds, and his chariots like the whirlwind. Hmm. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are ruined. So there are references to chariots or cars in the Bible, but I... Never heard you where just, it's okay. Did you just take. pull that one off the top of the dome? Oh, of course. I've got it. Uh, I got it pretty much memorized. Well, let's crack open the good book here now. and read from uh, uh, from uh, Ezekiel four, where it says, "If you have the goods, go ahead and show the goods." <laughs> uh, let me ask you: is, is that sacrilegious in some way? If he would have hit him with a dictionary, would that have been different? <laughs> it's just funny to take scripture. And beat somebody over the head with it. Now, I've seen some people give speak, give talks over the pulpit where they were beating everybody over the head with the Bible. But uh, not, you know, that was figuratively, Hey-oh. not literally. Hmm. And when I heard this story, it reminded me of uh, audio that I had heard like 15 or 20 years ago. And I think it turned out, I don't know whether this is bogus or not. But it reminded me of a case where a woman started beating a man over the head with a Bible. And why don't we give that a listen, Austin? Hey, Mark. Excuse me. I'm on my way to 3768. Kind of got hung up. It's raining out here. I'm on my way into Dallas. Uh, Jerry's probably going to be calling you to find out uh, where I'm at if he can't get a hold of me, I'm sure. So, uh, thought, whoa, whoa. Man, I just had a wreck right in front of me. This guy ran a red light and hit, uh, hit four old ladies in a in an Impala, just kind of clipped him and turned him around right in front of me, man. That was close. Oh, now this guy's getting out of his car. Got a, he's got a white shirt on with a tie and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's throwing his hands up in the air like he, like, like it was their fault. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. He's going over their window. She's rolling down the window. Oh, man, she, I think she sprayed him with pepper spray, man. He's holding his, he's holding his face and he's on his knees. She's getting out. She's beating him with an umbrella. <laughs> the other women are getting out, too. <laughs> ah, there's one woman with a little black person. She's tomahawking him, man. She looks, she looks like a Sunbelt 20, 20 horsepower jackhammer. Blah, blah, blah. She, we got another woman that's <laughs> she's hitting him like, like he's got a cattle prod, man. She's got, a, she's got an umbrella and she's sticking it in its side. Oh, there's another one. That, it's a little woman who looks like Mother Goose. <laughs> she's got, oh, she beat him. She beat him. She's got this UV bag. <laughs> she's got, oh, she beat him. She beat him. She's got this UV bag. It's huge. It's about the size of her. She's about four foot nothing. She hit him over the head. Everything went all over the place. Her Bible fell. She 
Pretty funny stuff. You know, I, I, when I found out that that was uh, manufactured, mm. uh, it was so disappointing. Because I didn't think that was hilarious the first time I saw it. And then I was like, oh, okay. But it is the funny. Guy does a great, the guy does a great job of selling that, though. That I remember, Jake, the first time we played that on the air, way back, like I said, it was it, two decades ago or something. I laughed my head off at that. I thought that was really, really funny. Well, the visual of an old lady working over some dude on the side of the road is pretty funny. I agree with that. <laughs> she hit him with a Bible. <laughs> I raced back six feet, grabbed my Bible. See, that was... <laughs> then I went to work on him. That's why Pan Man is amazing, because that was legit. That was a news story. That's an American hero. Reading this Bible, going out of this world together. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to hit somebody with something, you know, a Bible might be a good thing to... To, to go ahead and hit them with. All right, Boyle, Bowler joins the show coming up next. David James will be on with us at 5.30. Stay tuned for that. But joining me now, Katie from Homey. We're here to help our listeners save not just a little money, but a lot of money, whether you're buying or selling a home. Yeah, for sure. So our on average, our sellers save up to $10,000, um, which that's a lot of money that they can then go use to go and buy their next dream home, whatever that may be. Um, or we rebate you up to $5,000 if you're buying with us. So either way, you're going to be saving money, and it's just a great experience. Um, we're, we're there for you. We're there to help you and guide you um, and hold your hand through the whole process. If you have any concerns, any questions, we're there. Um, we've got an app. We've got the technology. We're utilizing that to make it so simple and so easy um, and so affordable. It's it's pretty amazing because you guys have have looked at uh, the the I guess the situation of buying and selling a home or whatever and said we can do it better we can make the customer service better and save thousands it's it's really it's really amazing you you guys have come up with a different way to do it exactly and and uh, as I've said I I've been an agent from before and then seeing how Homie was doing things it really compelled me to to make the switch to jump over to Homie and to to join. The team, and um, it's been an incredible experience to be with Homie. I've been with Homie for now over a year and a half. Um, and wow, time flies. It does yeah, fly, doesn't it? Goes it? Fast. <laughs> and um, it's just been such a great year to see how Homie has grown and how many people Homie's helped. And one of my favorite stories is um, there was a family who couldn't afford to have um, a, like they couldn't afford in vitro and they were struggling to have a baby and they used their savings from their house to have a baby and so we had that our is first a great story. we had our first homie baby baby <laughs> Calvin amazing. and so we sent him a little homie onesie and that family was able to have that because of the savings so imagine what you can do with the savings it's so important to keep that equity and to use that for whatever you need it for, it's your equity. Let's keep it in your pocket. Yeah, and that's a lot of money to everybody. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're talking about ten thousand dollars, that's life changing money. It really is. It you really is. It, it's quite literally in the case you just yeah. relayed. That's amazing. All right, so get started now. Homie.com. Get online. Homie.com. Don't forget about Homie Loans and Homie Title as well. And if you're in, uh, if you're looking for the refinance, it's a good time. Homie Loans <laughs> is uh, is the place to go. Yep. Great. Thank you. All right. More big show coming up next. Uh, Bowler joins us. Ninety-seven five and twelve. 12.80 The Zone.